Oh, yo. <laughs> what up, dog? What up? What's going on, people? This is your boy, Josh Williams. This is our podcast where we'll be changing the business. We'll be changing the world. Shout out to my brother, Kenny Omega, Too Sweet the Bullet Club. Mwah. And today, people, I'm not by myself. As usual, I'm never by myself. Coming all the way from Emory and Henry. Hey. He's breaking bones out there and placing them back together. Hey, don't be jinxing me now. <laughs> he da- Not yourself, but I'm talking about the players. Daggum. <clears throat> my best friend, another part in my faction is me and Cool right now. I just added Cole, even though in our next match, we got a match coming up soon before we get too old and washed. Daggone. It's going to be our last two matches. Daggone. So be on the lookout for that on YouTube and everywhere else. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself? You got to have a wrestling name, so go with your wrestling name that you went with back in the day. Oh, back in the day. Well, it's still current. And it's Stone Cold Cole Ross. Okay, Stone Cold. Not Stone Cold for the people out there. WWE might be listening. Not Stone Cold. Stone Cold. Stone Cold. And I, I just switched mine up. You know, mine is, uh, mine used to be Young Jizzy the King. But mine now is Joshua the Icon Williams. Yes, yes. Shower me with your presence. As I shower you with mine. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I hear <laughs> you, today, Icon. Huh? I said, I hear you, Icon. Oh, yeah, I'm the Icon. My character is a hybrid Bobby Roode slash Ric Flair slash the Velveteen Dream. You had you yeah. had to get, you had to get rid of the old wrestling name because your win loss record was not looking too stout against Stone Cold. Yeah, but to you be gotta, honest, you gotta, you gotta revamp attitude. I'll Listen to him. He's a mark. He's a mark. <laughs> Listen to the mark over here. That's fine. But hey, I never, except for once, I might have lost. But you had more battle scars than I had. Oh, for sure. Okay. Well, let's say it like that. I lost, but I didn't go down without a fight, damn it. <laughs> but the next one is a ladder match, and I don't think he can fuck with me in that type of element. So, Yeah, I'm I'm on the training right now. Yeah, I've been training. I just, I just, hit, I just hit 27. Training, studying, <laughs> watching Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, the Young Bucks. That's why I be, hey, you better watch them videos I sent you. I sent you them for a reason. Because I'm coming at you. I done lost weight. I'm not as heavy as I was back then. Cold. This match is not going to go. Even though we I, we already established the finish of the match, who's going over, and all that. Daggone. I'm not the same Josh. I've evolved. So this match is going to be a little bit different from what we did when we was kids. Just letting you know. All right. I look forward to it. My move set, my move set is a little bit different, guy. All right. Well, you never know. I've revamped my repertoire myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I guarantee, 
I guarantee, ladies and gentlemen of the Hill Turn Podcast, that I will bring the championship home to the Hill Turn Podcast. And after we do the match, if the Hill Turn, the Hill Turn Podcast, I've been going for a couple of weeks and a couple of months. I got another joint dropping with me and my friend Jessa. Um, the, uh, we couldn't call it Ride Along because, you know, WWE might try to sue us. So we're doing our version of it where we talk about the current events going on and wrestling and just having general spitballing. That's going to be uh, talking miles a minute. Ha ha, I came up with that one. Yeah, talking a mile a minute. Get it? Talking a mile a minute like you're talking fast, but we're talking about wrestling while driving. All right. Anyway. I'm following uh, yeah, but I'm going to whoop his ass and I'm bringing the championship on here. And then I'm going to make him get on the podcast and talk about the match. Ha! You talking about me? Yep. Dang. All right. The title's coming back. You didn't help the title. You didn't have the title in Texas. You got the title in Virginia. You just running while I'm over here doing what I'm doing over here in the company that you supposedly helped, you know, build. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're going to talk about the rumors today. And we're going to talk about the injuries, some injuries. Uh, it's going to have some guys from the Bullet Club. going to have some guys, former WWE employees, uh, current WWE champions in that junk. So, without further ado, we are going to start the rumors right now. Me and my brother from another mother, we're going to get into it right now. Um, The first rumor that we have, or news that we have, uh, former WWE Cruiserweight Champion. The first in the second generation of championships with the Cruiserweight Championships that the WWE had with the 205 Live guys and... um, Everybody over there, um, he made his comeback to CZW, um, where he originated from, uh, an indie circuit wrestling company. Um, and now he's slated to be working at Impact Wrestling, where his wife, girlfriend, whatever it is, uh, she's wrestling there other, under Sue Young or some, her name is something like that, um, as you know, Rich Swan was at WWE, but he got fired because of a domestic violence case that was thrown out of court uh, due to the judge finding it, you know, they didn't have that much evidence to try the man for abuse or aggravated assault or anything. So it's good to see him getting back on his feet. Um, I always thought that his case was a little bit different from uh, Enzo Homore. You you saw you saw what I did there. Oh gosh, (laughs) Enzo Enzo Homore, (laughs) ha ha, because he's a whore. He's an attention whore, Mister TMZ. Enzo Homore, you know he got a a case uh, going. We're pinning on him as well right now. Yeah, there's a reason he didn't last long. Nobody in the locker. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I had high hopes for Enzo, man. You know, me and him had conversations. I was like, um, you know, WWE really didn't 
Tom Mori couldn't really wrestle. Um, the guy was selling fucking t-shirts. They didn't give a fuck about that. that was as long awesome. as the guy was selling t-shirts and was selling out t-shirts, you're going to get a push in the WWE. Look at Roman Reigns. That was my. You go to a show. You go to a house show. Roman Reigns get booed. Damn. You go to Raw. I mean, not house shows. He get cheered at house shows, but booed on Raw and other shit like that. But um, you just take the good with the bad, I guess. But uh, I just always thought that his case was a little bit different from Enzo's because Enzo's they all they already got evidence that pretty much. If it doesn't pin him, they have evidence, period. Rich Swan's case, they couldn't find any evidence. So that's why that's why, you know, I was like, why did you fire him? Obviously it was it was I don't know. It, it's just crazy. You have any comments on that? I mean, as far as the domestic violence case goes, not really, because I mean I mean, we see it in all professional sports. Somebody get a little bit of fame, you know, 10 years ago wants to come out with something. So, yeah, I don't want to get too much into that. But as far as, but, but it, yeah, go ahead. As far as, though, I mean, that was my biggest critique on him was, yeah, the entrance was hype. Yeah, they were selling merchandise. But once he got in the ring, every time he was getting his, ass drug all over the place and then it finally showed I mean like it's it finally once Big Cass went his separate way I mean Enzo couldn't make it on his own I mean in a way do you think he did because he was cruiserweight champion I'm I mean, just I, I know how we both feel about Enzo I'm just playing devil devil's advocate for the sake of fans out there that may like Enzo just from my perspective, I feel like they had to kind of give him a little bit of credibility after Big Cass got injured. Because, I mean, like, they were on, they were riding, you know, they were just about to get in that rivalry, and then Big Cass went down. Yeah. They kind of had to give him some type of credibility to give him a reason to be around for a storyline. But, I mean, I didn't think he was uh, worthy enough compared to the other guys that were in that cruiserweight division to hold the title but you know you know how the business works yeah and i'm so glad now we'll see i i knew about enzo more than you knew about enzo i feel like coming into his debut him and Cass's debut from nxt because i watch nxt i always tell you to watch nxt because sometimes the product on nxt it's better than Raw and SmackDown. When SmackDown was having this little run, when SmackDown was better than Raw, NXT was even better than Raw. So it was basically like SmackDown, NXT, and Raw. I honestly said, and you can quote me, I don't care if any fans of the show or anybody gets upset, that NXT TakeOver New Orleans was better than WrestleMania this year. I will quote, you can quote me on it. I might be going on a limb and saying that. Even though I've said WrestleMania, this past WrestleMania might have been one of the best in a while, but NXT TakeOver was far better than WrestleMania, and most of the time that's what the case is. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, 
the talent pool is just so hungry to get to the next level, you know, that really helps a lot with it. Yeah. And me and Cool have conversations because he basically says, if you go to NXT, you can't wrestle your trash. And I'm like, dog, not all guys that go to NXT have to go to NXT. Sometimes they just bring them guys in because they're a big name off the indie scene. Like uh, Prince Devin, uh, Finn Balor. I know him as Prince Devin because I watched him with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I've been watching New Japan Pro Wrestling since like 2013. So I've seen him as Prince Devin. Um, He didn't necessarily have to go to NXT. Shinsuke Nakamura is a big enough wrestler to where his name is known worldwide. He did not have to go to NXT. In my opinion, Bobby Roode didn't have to go to NXT. It's just certain guys in the recent years, Adam Cole didn't have to go to NXT. There's certain guys that go to NXT just to go to NXT to, I feel like, help the talent that are there, that are struggling to get them over and the process of getting themselves over, if that makes sense. Basically, I'm saying they're going there knowing that they could be on the main roster, but they're there to help the guys out that are there floating or need help or need a certain push to get over to help them get up to the main card as well. But it's, 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 it's crazy. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's good to see Rich Swan get his job back, but Enzo Amore, fuck you, you piece of shit. If you did, I already said that if you did rape that girl, you are a piece of shit, sir. Fuck you. I'm glad you're not in WWE. Fuck you. I didn't buy a t-shirt anyway. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> in other news, uh, from New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, Dominion is coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, that's basically their version, because I know you're not really, you might not be that privy to New Japan Pro Wrestling schedule and everything like that. I tried to hip you up to it as much as I can. Uh, yeah. Dominion it's basically New Japan Pro Wrestling's version of SummerSlam, basically. So, um, basically, they sold out their show. Their show is at Osaka Joe Hall in Tokyo. Um, I think it's in Tokyo. It's a, in Osaka. I might be wrong. Uh, either way it goes, that's a 12-seat arena. They sold that out quick. That's uh, good for them. That's great. Um, I always say that if you want to watch, you watch WWE for entertainment, you watch New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor for wrestling. Because basically New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor work together and they have pro uh, co-jointed shows a la like of Raw and SmackDown was to do a show together like they're doing now. Basically, they're both their own companies, but they have a great working relationship. Um, oh, and so got, uh, New Japan's got a rich history of wrestling too. Yes, they do. Um, it's only it's only been I want to say three when when I say Gaijin, when 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 you hear people of Japan or fans of Japan wrestling say Gaijin, that basically means foreigner. 
So it's only really been four foreigners that have, I think it's only been four or three that I know of that have been IWGP heavyweight champion. That's Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, uh, Scott Norton from NWO. That's just too sweet. Um, and this is another guy. I forgot his name. But um, so at this year's Dominion, you have the Young Bucks going against the LIJ, Los Ignatables, Japan, uh, basically Bullet Club versus LIJ for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, bro. They have tag divisions and they have heavyweight division, uh, tag divisions and they have singles divisions, basically. But over there in Japan, you have... Um, let me give you an example. In New Japan Pro Wrestling, Sami Zayn wouldn't be wrestling Braun Strowman because Braun Strowman would be in the heavyweights Sami Zayn is in the juniors. The only way that Sami Zayn could compete against Braun Strowman if Sami Zayn stepped up to the heavyweight division. So the Young Bucks was um, the junior heavyweight, uh, junior basically junior heavyweights, or the junior, as they call them over there, the junior tag team champions over there about seven times. Uh, they basically broke a record over there record over there, but basically they are held as the best tag team wrestlers today um, in America, anywhere else, basically, period. Because they have basically good tag team matches. Um, they have some great tag team matches. I'll probably YouTube you like I, uh, I did today. I'll probably send you some YouTube links and uh, send you some of their uh, matches that I think are their best. Um also, you have Nyoto, the leader of LIJ, going against Chris Y2J Jericho for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Y2J was just within uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling at the beginning of the year going against Kenny Omega for the United States Championship uh, in a no-disqualification uh, match. Um, that was a five-star match, uh, according to Dave Meltzer. So, um, I'm expecting this match to be a good match. Um, Chris Jericho, normally, I feel like, and I want you to chime in if you feel like this too, I feel like Chris Jericho is underrated as a wrestler. Oh, man. Hugely. Hugely. Chris Jericho still got it, and he makes my my thing is the key to a good wrestler is not only in ring performance and, he get, and promos, but they make others look good. Like, look what he did for Kevin Owens during his Universal Championship reign, bro. Like, look at that. Like Chris Jericho, anything Chris. When you look at Chris Jericho over his career, you look at Chris Jericho when he first came into WWE. When um 2000 was going on, the year 2000, Y2K and all that shit, people were scared. He came around that time as Y2J. Then around 2009-ish or so, he started wearing suits and claimed he was the best in the world at what he does. Then in 2015 through 17, 18, he gets over with doing a list. 
and just being a smart ass funny heel. He just knows how to reinvent himself. He yes, he knows how to. That's why I question: Should Chris Jericho be considered as one of the greatest of all time? I mean, that's definitely a, a debate. A debate because it's not like Chris Jericho can't wrestle. I can tell you to look at both matches. The um, I want to say it was No Mercy against Shawn Michaels. And the WrestleMania, I want to say it was 19 or 20. 19. Uh, yeah, against um, Chris Jericho. It was 18 because it was one of 18. No, it was 19. Which no. one was the Rock and uh, Austin? Uh, 17. 19, 17. So 15, 17, and 19. Okay. Which one was in Houston? Uh, WrestleMania 17. So I feel like it was that one because it was during that 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 uh year. Or was it? I don't know. Anyway, I'll point to that match showing that Chris Jericho can have a fucking great match. Look at the match he had with Kenny Omega this year with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Both guys who can claim to be one of Chris Jericho can claim to be the greatest wrestler of all time, and Kenny Omega right now can claim to be the best wrestler. So <laughs> While me getting Kenny Omega over, Kenny Omega and Okada four. Um, they, the, if you know anything about wrestling this past year and a half, baby, you've heard Kenny Omega and Okada's name come up quite frequently. Um, they've had some great matches at, um, I want to say, Wrestle Kingdom 11. It was Kenny going against Okada. Daggone, Okada beat him at Wrestle Kingdom 11. Um, at Dominion that year, the same year as the Tokyo Dome show that year, he it went to a stalemate, basically. Uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, most matches are like big main event matches, like if me and you were going for a championship match, right? Mm-hmm. The matches would be 60 minutes. So basically Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada wrestled for an hour and came to a draw. Nobody got a pinfall. And the G1 tournament, which is basically like the King of the Ring tournament, but with more at stake, whoever wins the G1 Climax tournament Basically, it's basically like, like I said, King of the Ring and the Money in the Bank mixed. So if you win that one, you basically have a guaranteed IWGP Heavyweight Championship match at that year's Tokyo Dome. So uh, Kenny Omega was the first foreigner to win it. But in that year, Kenny Omega won. Uh, last year in the G1 uh, tournament, Kenny Omega finally beat Okada. So basically, Kenny Omega versus uh, Kazuchika Okada, both of them got one win. This match will be the stalemate for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. It is going to have no time limit, and it is going to be a two out of three pinfalls match. I'm expecting this match to break the fucking Meltzer star rating. 
I'm expecting this match to get a six or a seven uh, star match. Should be a dandy, folks. It should. It should be a dandy, Carl. Both of the guys got Kazushiko Okada's got great looks and a great motor, Bob. Yeah, I should check that out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I told you where you can look it up at. Um, you can look it up on YouTube or um, if you have, I think, I only know it because I have Dish. If you have Access TV, you can watch. Uh, they just had basically, I want to say the Wrestling Dome Taku. Uh-huh. Um, on access this past weekend where Kenny Omega and his former um, tag team champion, I mean tag team partner they were his tag team champions but our tag team partner um, went against Cody Rhodes and Hangman Page uh, so basically uh, it was Kenny and Coda against Cody and Hangman Page uh, so it's, it's, it's ways that you can see it and you have the WWE Network. They have a similar streaming uh, service like um, WWE Network. You can go to New Japan Pro. Uh, where in, well, this is the correct way to type it in on the computer. On the computer, NJPWWorld.com, and you can subscribe. It's nine dollars, uh, ten dollars a month, just like how. Uh, the WWE Network, like I said, is, and you get like all the matchups, uh, all the matches. Uh, right now, they're having the best of the supers. So just like how uh, Super Juniors. So you remember I told you they break it down by division, weight, and everything like that. So basically, now they're having a tournament for to see who will face the junior champion. Will Ospreay at Dominion. So that'll be good. Like I said, Dominion sold out. That's a 12,000 seat house. Next year, they might need to try the Dome just to see if they can sell out because the Tokyo Dome is like 17,000. If you can sell out 17,000, you're doing good. Uh, And with that, you have the uh, Honor Club with New Japan Pro Wrestling, which uh, basically... Uh, they have a thousand seats reserved for them, so it's still a good thing that they sold eleven thousand seats with those thousand seats included. I don't know if the thousand seats are included with the twelve, but still, that is a great thing to do. That's a great number, and I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to watch it. Like I said, I've been watching New Japan Pro Wrestling since uh, 2013. So I'm excited to see how it's grown and basically became an adversary in some ways or alternate to WWE. Um, In other news as well, what was the other news that we had, guys? Uh, Oh, yeah. In other news, Bullet Club members Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are self-financing a show in uh, Cle- not Cleveland, damn, in Chicago, Illinois, September 2nd at the Sears Center Arena. It's all in, people. These guys are Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling wrestlers. They are considered, considered indie wrestlers. Um, basically, Cole, all in basically came about when Dave Meltzer was asked on Twitter 
do they think that Ring of Honor or the Bullet Club could sell out a 12,000-seat arena? And Dave Meltzer said no, but they would get uh, at least seven or eight easy. So Cody Rhodes was basically like, hold my beer. If you know anything about, huh? Oh, I was just laughing. Oh, well, if you know anything about Dave Meltzer and the Bullet Club, uh, this iteration, um, they're basically cool with Dave Meltzer. So uh, it's no animosity. So basically, their show is September the 2nd. I was going to try to find tickets and see if you wanted to try to, you know what I'm saying, go down there and go to the biggest. This show is going to be the biggest indie wrestling show in a while. Um, And you want to know how I know that, Cole? How's that? Because they sold out in 23 minutes and 36 seconds. Hey. You know how many you know how many seats that arena hold? What's 12,000. 12,000. There you go. In 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 23 minutes, bro. If you watch being the elite like how I do the Bullet Club uh sub faction group with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, um I watch it on whenever it comes up I get the notification. That's how much of a Bullet Club mark I am. Um, so basically they were showing like the, the tickets went on sale at three o'clock at three Oh two. You could not load up the site. They broke the site. Basically what I'm saying, you could not pull it up. So many people was on that site that, Everybody couldn't be on there at one time. That just shows That's, you how many wrestling fans out there don't really care about the marquee companies like WWE. Yeah. I mean, they like, like the underground. Yeah. And like the guys in the Bullet Club, like I told you, um, they have T-shirts everywhere, Cole. You cannot look at Monday Night Wrestling or – Smackdown on Tuesday nights or any company that's televised and not see a Bullet Club shirt. Bullet Club has become this generation, like my nieces and my nephews and some of my friends' kids, this is their NWO. These guys sell out shirts. These guys, Steve Austin's 316 shirt and NWO's shirts are still the top-selling shirts in uh, WWE. They damn near make more money than Steve Austin and NWO put together on their T-shirts. The Bullet Club T-shirt, the Young Bucks Bullet Club T-shirt, they they are making money, Cole. They're making more money as indie wrestlers than they ever could possibly working with WWE. So I always, when people ask me, when is the guys from New Japan, why? Why would I leave that when I'm making so much money for myself, quote unquote, as an indie wrestler, but I guarantee you in merch sales alone, I make more than any guy in WWE. Why would I do that? This all-in show 
to me personally, because I love Cody Rhodes and I fucking hate the way the WWE did him. This was a testament and a fuck you back to Vince and the guys at WWE when they said that Cody Rhodes would never be a main eventer. Cody Rhodes is a main of fucking venter. If you let the guy, that's what I think the problem is with WWE. They don't let the guys groom. They try to force, like, when we get to the Roman conversation, we'll talk about that then. But they try to basically force a guy down your throat and try to force you to like him. I remember when Stone Cold basically organically became a face and got cheers. They didn't have to force the fans to cheer Stone Cold Austin. Steve Austin, I'm sorry. They cheered him. I remember when The Rock was in the Nation of Domination. He was Rocky Bravia before that. Daggone. Anyway, it, it go on. You can go on. You can see different things, bro. But um, they would never let Cody Rhodes be himself. Yeah, like he acts to be. He basically acts to stop being what was his name, Stardust or some shit like that. He asks, could he yeah. go back to his regular self? And they said, no, we like you as Stardust, blah, blah, blah. And he said, fuck it, bro. I'm about to leave then because my dad just passed away. And I want to basically, I don't feel like the only reason I did this because he told me to do it. Now, out of respect for me and my family after what we've done for your company and what we've done for this, my family has done for this business, I think you owe me not to sound entitled, but I think you owe me this one. Like, I feel like the Stardust character was fucking over by the time you put Stephen Amell in the ring and you didn't let these guys from the guy from Arrow who's going to be at All In. Compare, if you look at Stephen Amell's match at WrestleMania, I'm not WrestleMania, at SummerSlam with him and Neville going against... um what was my man named Wade Barrett and fucking uh, Cody Rhodes, basically that match looked stiff. But if you look at the ring of honor match where it was him and Cody Rhodes on the same team going against other people, it looked free flowing. Like it looked like he was in his element as opposed to where you can look and tell that it was scripted. Everything was scripted at WWE. So um, the guys that are going to be at all in for this uh, basically self-finance indie show. They're basically going to treat it like a WrestleMania. They're going to have meet and greets the whole weekend around the show. We can meet Kevin Nash, Eric Bischoff, Tony Schiavone from WCW, the old uh, announcer, uh, X-Pac, Raven, CM Punk supposedly supposed to be there, um, Brutus Beefcake, the Young Bucks' father who does the music for the Young Bucks on being the elite, Kenny Omega, uh, Marty Scroll, all of those guys are going to be on the card and all of those guys, basically the whole being the elite cast is all in, as well as Kazuchika Okada, Jay Lethal, Rey Mysterio, uh, and uh, Pentagon Jr., the uh, current Impact Wrestling Champion, and uh, his brother, Phoenix, from uh, both of them are basically from Lucha Underground, which you can see on El Rey coming up this year. Their season is coming up. Um, 
I think that this all in will be one of the biggest like non non wrestling promotion because it's it's funded by the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes, and that lets you know too, Cole, how much fucking money that the Bullet Club is making when they can buy out an arena themselves. They ain't getting New Japan Pro Wrestling the Ring of Honor to give them the money, bro. They're paying out of their own pockets. Well, it's that. like an investment. They're they're paying out of their own pockets, but they're gonna get so much back too. Oh so. my goodness. They're Good paying the wrestlers and everything. Oh my goodness, man. They're gonna get they're gonna be fucking rich. Did I just they are they sold out in fucking twenty three minutes. Their t shirt, every time they put a new t shirt up on ProWrestlingTees.com. They fucking sell out. You can't buy a t-shirt until the next month. These guys are fucking over. Like I said, these guys have a global impact to the effect of the NWO. Like I said, you can't go nowhere in America right now, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I saw a woman in fucking STEM. Me and Cool was at Dollar General. I saw a woman with a Bullet Club hoodie on. You will see somebody with a Bullet Club t-shirt on. I guarantee it. Have you got yours yet? Nah, I ain't got mine yet. I'm going to order mine this month, though. I've been doing this overtime Saturday, so you know what I'm saying. I'm going to probably buy like two, three of them bitches. You know what I'm saying? I've been talking about it. Yeah, I've been talking about it. I did buy my NWO shirt, though, so that was a good thing. Progress. Yeah. And I'm going to buy me a macho shirt because I'm going to be macho for Halloween this year. There you go. Cream of the crop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think you're going to talk to me and Miss Elizabeth like that? No way, pal. I'm going to eat you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to tear you up for the championship. And there's no one better than a macho man. I'm working on it, bro. I'm just a little drunk right now. So. You sound like you've been working on it. Yeah, I've like... been working on it. Cup of coffee in the big time. Yeah, cup of coffee in the big time. I got Ricky the Dragon Steamboat coming at me, but I'm going Yeah! Tito Santana! <laughs> Bruno San Martino! <laughs> gonna dig you up, I'm gonna dig myself up, and we're gonna have a championship match. That was wrong. That was fucked up. Rest in peace to Bruno San Martino and uh, Macho Man. That was that was a little too far. But, um, hey, I go that far. Uh, so, basically, I just was doing that just to basically tell you guys that the Bullet Club is fo-fo-fo life. And, um, yeah, all in September 2nd. I don't know if they're streaming it. Or doing anything, if I was them, I would try to fucking reach out to some fucking streaming service to get this fucking thing streamed. Because if they sold out in 23 minutes, Cole, imagine the buy rate for a pay-per-view or just streaming. Well, if it turns out to be a plus, then they might start their own company. Yeah. And Cody Rhodes. Yeah. And Cody Rhodes is getting a NWA World Heavyweight Championship match there against Nick Aldis, Adonis, who was basically at, um, I think his name was Adonis, I'm not sure, at TNA, when TNA was still a thing. Um, 
So, I think All In is going to be a good show. Uh, there's only been one match announced. I think there's going to be a lot of surprises, a lot of certain things that you wouldn't expect to see there. I do think CM Punk is going to show up at All In. I don't know why. I think he might be there because the Young Bucks and CM Punk came up basically on the indie scene. The Young Bucks, the thing about the Young Bucks that people don't realize, Cole, these guys been wrestling since they was 19 years old, and they're only in their 30s. They just hit 31. So they're basically still in their prime, basically. And you can see 10 more years of Young Bucks if they decide to. I'm pretty sure that they don't want to. After all that traveling from California to Tokyo and doing indie shows basically all over the world, they do. They might have a New Japan Pro show Saturday, but Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, they have a show with Revolution Pro Wrestling in uh, the United Kingdom in England. So these guys are highly sought after. So, um, and Cody Rhodes is too as well. The Bullet Club, if you have a Bullet Club shirt on, you are instantly over. So um, all in, selling out in 23 minutes. I'm excited. I want to see what's going to happen. Uh, next, we have the injury. Uh, we ain't going to spend too much time on that because it wasn't specified what he got injured, but Jeff Hardy was supposedly injured last night in a dark match after the uh, SmackDown uh, Live and 205 Live matches. Um, he got hurt going against The Miz in a... Uh, it wasn't for the title or anything. It was just a match. Um, so, be on the lookout if you don't see him next Tuesday. It might be because He's dealing with that little naggy injury, which sucks because he just came back during the Superstar shakeup off of his arm being injured. So uh, prayers go to Jeff Hardy. That what happens when you uh, snort coke and all that, take pills and jump off ladders for a living. So no disrespect. I'm sorry. Jeff Hardy is a legend. Yeah, he still got it because he cleaned. You're able to do a swan time bomb perfectly when you ain't on coke or on speed or on pills or drunk. <laughs> and that's fucked up. I'm I'm just rude today. Um, <laughs> and that's it for the rumors and the injuries. Now we're getting into the beaten potatoes of the show. Um, basically, we're going to start off with this little conversation that we're going to have. We're going to start off first. Do you think Cole Ross? Now, this has been how many years has it been since the Montreal screw job? I want to say 95, 96, maybe. I think it was nine, November of 97. So easily 20 something years now. Yep. I've seen every video coming from Triple H to Shawn Michaels to Bret Hart to Bruce Pitt, Pritchard, to Vince McMahon, to Vince Russo, to basically everybody that was under the WWE umbrella explained the events and what happened. I'm well aware of what happened. Do you think that the Montreal Screwjob 
was a work. Do you the crowd into thinking it was more than what it essentially was? Do you think I'm basically saying? Do you think that the Montreal screw job was scripted? Uh, I don't. Honestly, I don't think it was. Uh huh. I mean, if anybody that followed that era, era and knows who Shawn Michaels was, it would be you and me. Knows who Bret Hart was. I mean, they both yeah. kind of had a lot of pride going. I mean, for the right reasons, though. They were both talented. Like, but the story goes like Bret Hart. Okay, this is basically going from when Kevin Nash and them was there to this point where we're leading up to now. This is why Bret Hart gets called a mark and everything like this. Fucking, you remember when Diesel was the champion at the time and he was going against The Undertaker, right? Yeah. He drops the belt, he loses the belt to Bret. Bret and I want to say The Undertaker had a match. Kevin Nash screwed the Undertaker out of the championship. Then I want to say Brett and the Undertaker, no, Brett and Kevin Nash had a match and then the Undertaker screwed him out of the match, right? But it was going to look like both sides, both matches were going to look like the Undertaker was going to win the match and Kevin Nash was going to win the match. I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly, I'm a little fucked up right now, but damn, I think I remember that it looked like during the first match that The Undertaker was going to beat Bret Hart, but Kevin Nash screwed him. But when it came time for, they were planning the, the situation. Um, Kevin Nash was supposedly supposed to powerbomb, hit him, hit Bret Hart with the jackknife powerbomb. Kev, uh, Bret Hart would not take his finish because it would make him look like he was supposed to lose. Duh, you fucking mark. That was the fucking plan. It's the plan to make you look like you were going to lose. Ergo, that's why The Undertaker was supposed to climb through the mm-hmm. fucking ring and fucking fuck Kevin Nash out of the championship. Dub is going to make you look like you're going to fucking lose. You don't want to take the finish. Why? You're going to give the fucking championship up in six months anyway at WrestleMania to fucking Shawn Michaels. What sense does it make? Fuck your title run. is about to end in six months. Then Kevin Nash, who you say you don't really listen to, but Kevin Nash said while they were going on, it was him, fucking Bret Hart, Vince, and The Undertaker in a room. They said The Undertaker hopped up, my nigga, got into fucking Bret Hart's face, and he said, you selfish motherfucker. It's not always about you. That way, if you take the finish, it will make me and fucking Kevin's match better. It will make our matches good. Because that year, it was supposed to be Bret Hart and fucking Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Kevin Nash, co-main eventing that year's fucking WrestleMania. So, 
basically, he's like, basically, bro, it's basically like the Avengers. Captain America might come in the Thor movie just to keep you current up on shit. Fucking Spider-Man had Iron Man to basically let you know that he was inside of this world. Basically, it was basically letting them go know that these four guys are the top four guys in our fucking company, and they're gonna fucking tangle with each other, whether it's The Undertaker and Sean, and Kevin and Brett, Brett The Undertaker, Sean, and Kevin, either way it goes, it's gonna go down like that. So I think leading up to the events that happened at the screw job led to what happened. Do I think the screw job was real? I think it was real because I don't think a man would spit at another man. And Bret Hart seems to have this type of integrity about himself and his family. Rest in peace to Owen Hart. They have an integrity about themselves that they are basically outside of the Noah family with Roman Reigns, The Rock, Rakishi, fucking um, the Wild Samoans, Alpha Sika, uh, Siki or Sika, how do you say his name? Um, those family, Rocky Johnson, everybody, they they are the family basically in wrestling and the Von Erics and fucking everybody else. They are the family basically. So I don't think Bret Hart would spit on or spit at Vince McMahon. I don't think he would bust Vince McMahon's lip either if it wasn't real. Do I think it was supposed to be planned that he was going to lose the championship? Yes, but I think Bret Hart, as stubborn as he was, didn't want to give it up at the pay-per-view, which motherfucker we've been leading. You wait till now to basically say that you don't want to fucking do it. But we've been building, fuck it. We built this from last WrestleMania that you guys were going to meet at this WrestleMania. You are fucking up continuity. You fucking up the writing. Now you don't want to give him the title. Why, bitch? Why? Why? Give it to me straight. Because you don't want to lose because it's in your hometown or something like that, some bullshit like that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I mean, if you go back and watch the match, you can tell them guys honestly had they fucking had heat feelings about it. They had heat with one another, Cole. They didn't fucking Shawn Michaels was the new fucking generation guy that said "fuck you" and your beliefs. Fuck how pro wrestling was. I'm the future, and this is how fucking pro wrestling is gonna be. Fucking Bret Hart grew up in an era where grappling mattered. Fucking promos really didn't matter as much as being able to go in a guy and get him with the waist lock or put him in a side headlock from a race lock or get him in a takedown and fucking get him in a side headlock then or fucking get him in a leg lock or anything, vice versa. Those times are fucking over. Basically what Shawn Michaels was saying to Bret and Brett wasn't with the times. No. I've always decided, I can say, knowing what I know now growing up, Shawn Michaels was a fucked up individual. What other guy do you know can go to your boss and say, fuck you, bitch, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it the way that I want to do it, and we're going to do it that way. 
And it just wasn't for him, which people get it fucked up. Shawn Michaels and Triple H and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and X-Pac, they weren't just looking out for themselves. They looked out for guys like Bam Bam Bigelow. They looked out for Bad News Brown, Undertaker. Fucking, it was guys that they said, hey, like, hey, if you don't put fucking a title on The Undertaker, we're going to fucking walk out. Like, people always think that the clique was this fucking super villain group where if they knew what happened behind closed doors, now that if you look at the WWE Network and now that they're older and they have more free time to do interviews and shoot interviews and shit like that, they can explain from a point of view how they were coming from, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm following but I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think that the Montreal screw job was fake. Do I think he was supposed to lose the title and didn't want to fucking lose the title? Yes. So they had to force their hand. Fucking Medusa, known as Alondra Blaze in WWE, was the fucking woman's champion. By the time she got done with the contract, she didn't lose her championship belt. She fucking left and mm-hmm. went to WCW and went to fucking. WCW and threw the championship in the trash can. They didn't want to see Bret Hart do the same thing, even though I don't think... I think Vince was paranoid. I don't think, like I said, Bret's family and himself seemed to be of integrity, and I don't think they would have done no shit like that. I just think Vince was paranoid that it could happen to him again. He didn't want it to happen, and he did what he had to fucking do. Case closed. Fuck you, Bret Hart. If you get offended by what I'm saying, if you fucking happen to listen to this little low podcast by little low me and give a fuck what I say, you're a fucking mark like Kevin Nash said. Quote me. Did I say anything wrong there, Cole? I mean, as far as the Montreal Screwjob goes, I used to be interested in it. And then once I found out everything, I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. Like, he deserved to fucking... I don't feel like... I feel like Bits and them got the, the shit stick of the end of it. Like, I don't think Bits was wrong. What the fuck was he wrong for? For getting a title off a guy that was fucking about to leave the company anyway to go to my fucking nemesis? What the fuck? You think I'm about to keep the title on you? No, you ignorant dumbass, you fucking mark. We're gonna take the title off you either way or fucking go. By your choice or my choice, when you, when I when I, you look at your check, it says Vince K McMahon. It doesn't say the same thing on my check that it says in your check. My check doesn't say by Bret Hart to Vince McMahon. It says Vince McMahon to Vince McMahon. So fuck you, Bret Hart, if you're getting your feelings about that. Fuck you. Fuck it. It's okay. Be in your feelings, bro. It's okay. I love you. You're one of the greatest wrestlers, but I feel like you was a bitch for that situation. If you hear this, I'm sorry if you feel disrespected. Like I said, I doubt that you hear this on this little old podcast, but you're a bitch if you're you a bitch. I'm sorry. All right. Uh huh. So we're going to the next topic. I ain't mean to be aggressive today. I'm on whiskey. I'm sorry. Oh, so. Um, NWO versus DX when I say that I'm saying who had 
a longer lasting impact in your opinion? Who? I mean, I'm honestly going to have to say NWO because they originated the whole click deal. I mean, granted, NWO came from a, a Japan thing that was already initiated. They got the idea from a Japan. Yeah. But I think if it wasn't for the NWO, WWE wouldn't have been obligated to make DX. So, I mean, granted, I, I like DX more, but I think NWO had a more global and longer lasting effect than DX. I'm going to answer it like this. When you go out to my, my, my thing that I said about the Bullet Club, when we went out to any grocery store as kids, what did you see growing up? I mean, it was all about WCW at that and time. what shirt were kids wearing, though? Oh, it was all and about adults. It was all about NWO, black and white. Yes. What messed it all up and watered it down was when they started coming out with all the other kinds of NWOs. That's when I was like, I don't right. think so. I don't think so. Now we're going to play, since we brought that up, we're going to play fucking fantasy booking. Shout out to the guys at Russell Talk, Ollie Davis, and the guys over there. Um, I'm going to fucking get them over real quick. If I was the head of booking at WCW at the time where they broke NWO up into NWO Hollywood and NWO Wolfpack. I would have initially, okay, you want to know what one thing they started off and how they fucked it up from the beginning, Cole? What's that? Who did Scott Hall come into WCW with? Kevin Nash. So why in the fuck is Scott Hall on NWO Hollywood with with Hulk Hogan who if if it wasn't for Kevin Nash and Scott Hall they wouldn't have been together so what I'm saying is why the fuck are those three guys are those two guys not together you packaged them from the moment that Scott Hall came on WCW television and said hey yo you packaged them together as the outsiders, as one of the best tag teams, in my opinion. They are one of the best tag teams who have ever lived. They are an underrated tag team, in my opinion. So, with that being said, I would have booked the leaders of the Wolf Pack as Kevin Nash and Scott Hall from the jump. Scott Hall wouldn't have been in the fucking NWO Hollywood. I would have put Sting in. I would have put Lex Luger in. I would have put Conan in. You know who I would have put in? I would have put in Macho Man as well. Because of that beef that 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 beef that you know of with Hulk Hogan. I would put him in uh NWO Wolfpack. Yes. But you know who I would have put in the NWO Wolfpack just to have been a game changer since the NWO Wolfpack was supposed to be a face, a baby face group? Brett fucking Hart. Get your ass over here. 
And I would have basically made it to where NWO Hollywood wouldn't have even existed anymore. I would have made it to where they would have had a five-on-five Survivor Series matchup type thing where it would have been Kevin Nash, Sting, Macho Man, Scott Hall, and fucking Lex Luger against Hulk Hogan, the giant big show, who was called the giant at WCW, Fucking, I would have uh, big, uh, big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner, Scott Norton, and fucking Buff Bagwell go against those five guys. Or whoever won claimed the rights of the NWO. So I would have had the Wolfpack beat the NWO at Bash of the Beach, Starcade, or some big pay per view event that they had at WCW. I would have had Hulk Hogan a month, a month you wouldn't see Hulk Hogan or the NWO guys at all. A month later, I would have Hulk Hogan and fucking a new NWO Hollywood member debut. You know who I would have had debut against them, Cole? Who's Goldberg. Get Goldberg a face. I mean, a heel. Make Goldberg heel. I've often said that Goldberg, when he debuted, shouldn't have been a fucking face. He should have started out as a heel, then graduated into the face, and he would have been way more over than he was. So, Goldberg, you're in the NWO Hollywood. He would have been their game changer. I would have had him face fucking a Halloween Havoc or some shit like that, I would have had a three-on-three match. I would have had fucking Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, the Outsiders, and Macho Man go against Hulk Hogan, fucking um, Scott Norton, and Goldberg in a three-on-three. Whoever wins if 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 Hulk Hogan and them win, right, I will have them get their jobs back and renew the NWO Hollywood. So I will have NWO Hollywood win at Halloween Havoc, right? So if I'm looking at it, then I will have fucking what the NXT War Games. You know, uh, NXT did it uh, last year. Where they basically have two rings and basically putting them together and make it look like it's one and it's inside of a fucking cage and shit like that. I would have had an NWO Wolfpack versus NWO Hollywood match for daggone the rights to NWO once and all. Nobody's getting fired. But if Kevin Nash win, daggone the NWO is over. Hollywood is over. It's just the NWO Wolfpack, black and red. If Hulk Hogan wins, the NWO Wolfpack must join back with the NWO fucking Hollywood. And I would have had Scott Hall fucking turn on Kevin Nash. If you guys was planning on doing Kevin Nash with Scott Hall anyway, I would have had Scott Hall turn against Kevin Nash in the match basically give Hulk Hogan the win and all of that. Instead of the finger poke of doom, you would have got fucking Scott Hall giving the rub 
to Hulk Hogan. So, basically, that's how I would have booked that. Do you think that would have been dope? I think so. Yo, I'm going to have to uh, get off here, man. The wifey just showed up, so. Okay, okay. We'll send her my love, and I appreciate, you know what I'm saying, you coming on here with me today and everything like that. Um, You know, well, maybe we can do this more and get up with each other. Maybe we can do this like a monthly thing. What's out of the month for me? You can just get up together and come on the podcast and just talk about fucking wrestling things we love. Hey, let just let me know. All right, bro. Well, this was the Turn Podcast. Uh, my name is Joshua Williams. That was Cole Ross. Uh, we're signing out. Goodbye and good night. Mwah. Bang. Thank you. We'll see y'all.